Resturni Radio presents Genesis, Volume 1 of Commentaries on the Pentateuch by Rusas John Resturni, narrated by Jeremy Walker, produced with permission by the Chalcedon Foundation. Chapter 10, The Tree of Life, Genesis 3, 22-24. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword, which turned every way, to keep the way of the tree of life. Genesis three twenty-two through 24 Few texts in the Bible have for the many years of church history more baffled readers and commentators than verse 22. Some have held that the words are used ironically, a view we also find among the ancient rabbis. To gain some understanding, we must begin by recognizing that some things are beyond our understanding this side of heaven. Also, we must see that our vision of things is limited. The tree of life is Jesus Christ, and yet in Eden it is also a literal tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was an actual tree, and yet it set forth a choice for men of either submitting to God's definitions of good and evil, or seeking to know or to determine for oneself what is right and wrong as a God, as the great definer, Genesis 3.5. The reality was thus both the sign and the fact or reality it set forth. Jesus Christ declares himself to be life, John 11.25, 14.6, Colossians 3, 4, 1 John 5, 20, and the true vine, John 15, 1. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were two actual trees in Eden. Their purpose was moral. Would man be obedient to God, or would he try to be his own God? The two trees placed a choice before man, life in God, or autonomy from God. To live under God's law and command meant dependence, responsibility, and work. The whole earth was to be developed as God's kingdom. There would be no escape from accountability and labor. As against this, the tempter offered a work-free world, wherein man's fiat word would be creative because man would become a god. We must begin by accepting the sincerity of Satan. In his hostility to God, he believes that the creature should have the same powers by right. Satan believes in creaturely and human rights. His goal, therefore, is to push men into rebellion to test his theory in the hopes that man, as civilization develops, will triumph. Modern man dreams of defeating death and creating a divine human order in which men are as gods, autonomous and creative. The urge to create new life forms is expressive of the hope. The triune God declares, quote, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil, unquote, verse 22. However falsely, men were now beginning a course through Adam and Eve of being their own source of law and of defining good and evil apart from God and his law. All over the world today, politics is an example of this. The man-god through civil government establishes his independent law. He defines good and evil apart from God. Something must be done, the triune God declares, quote, 
lest he, man, put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever, unquote. Verse 20. The actual tree in the Garden of Eden could enable Adam and Eve to live endlessly if they could continue eating its fruit. But their access to that tree had been conditional upon their obedience. By cutting mankind from access to the tree of life, by barring access to it, men could be prepared to receive the true tree of life, Jesus Christ. They could now be engrafted into the true vine, John 15, 1-8. We are not accustomed to thinking of life forever in this body, as verse 22 indicates, but the doctrine of the resurrection of the body simply states that a glorified body shall so live, 1 Corinthians 15, 39. Some hold that man had never eaten previously of the tree of life, because having been obedient, he was not subject to death. This may well be true, or it may not be. No matter. What is important for us to know is that man in sin must be subject to sin and death. Man was sent out of the garden to till the ground in a now fallen world, the ground from whence he was taken, in which his sin had cursed. Verse 23. He was driven out. Verse 24. He had no desire to go. The cherubim were placed at the east of the garden. Perhaps the four rivers of Eden, Genesis 2, 10-14, provided a natural boundary in all directions except on the east. In addition to the cherubim guarding the Garden of Eden, quote, a flaming sword, unquote, kept the way to the tree of life. Man was thus barred from Eden. Man was now in a hopeless condition, with sin and death as his estate. He had no access to life, and he was now totally dependent in a very obvious way on God's grace for his redemption. It is opened to man by Jesus Christ, of whom we are told, Galatians 3.13, that he was crucified on a tree. This was in fact a common practice, and Roman crucifixions were associated with trees. The tree of life is crucified, quote, on a tree, unquote, a grimly ironic fact. All the sons of the first Adam are barred from the tree of life except through the atonement made on the cross or tree by the last Adam, Jesus Christ, the tree of life. This text tells us of an essential link between the spiritual and material realms, which we will fully understand in the world to come.